we have to replace it with the good. Otherwise, we're just empty shells, and that is perfect territory for the things that you kicked out of there the first time, and then some other stuff. A lot of times when uh, I've talked to people who have um, relapsed after um, being sober for a while, they always say that it was 10 times worse than when they were drinking beforehand or drugging beforehand. It always ends up worse because of this idea that if we don't replace that, it can always get worse. If we don't replace the bad with something good, it'll always get worse. And that's what the Pharisees were saying to do was to take everything out, make sure you look good for everybody else. But on the inside, everything's falling apart. Everything's coming apart. All the things that you're telling everybody else not to do is all of a sudden coming into your head. All the things that you used to do before are all of a sudden coming back to the light and you just, you can't just empty out the space. In uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, there's a pretty uh, popular Bible verse. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In the time that Paul was writing these letters, there, were, there was lots of persecution of the Christian church. A lot of these churches were a group, groups of people that on any given day could all be rounded up and killed and have the law backing that up. They could go out any day and be in fear of their lives. But Paul instead was saying, get rid of those anxious thoughts, but don't just get rid of them, replace them. Think about what positive things come out of this. Think about what good can come out of this. And that's the right way to address it. If we are going through troubles, if we're going through trials, it's always better if we look at what can be gained from this experience instead of what we lose. If we take what is um, negative and reframe it, we can always find something positive no matter what it is. If we take the time to replace our negative uh feelings or our negative uh, thoughts, our negative uh, perspectives and change it to one of the good things, at the end of the day, that is what we will focus on. The more we do it, the better, the easier it becomes and the better we become at it. And um, this idea is carried not just with our thoughts, but with our actions and deeds and, and the reason why we do things. Uh, in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive 
in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. What Peter's saying here is that if you don't progress to, uh, if you don't keep adding on to your faith, if you don't continue to grow, what happens is you stagnate or you regress. What he's saying is that you can't see the goodness of God, the goodness that God has for you, unless you walk towards it. All of us are at a place where we can only see what's right in front of our face, and sometimes we don't even see that very clearly. But if we have the tools to be able to see those things, like our glasses, then we are able to walk the path much easier. It's easier to um, love if you have mutual affection. It's easier to uh, have self-control if you have knowledge. If you have the knowledge to tell you, hey, if I do this, it's not a good idea. This is probably going to end badly. You're able to control yourself better. You're able to stay out of that. In uh, recovery, they call it playing the tape all the way through. If you just think about what pops into your head, you're likely to make a bad decision. But if you play that little strip all the way to the end, a lot of times you see that there is something later on you're not thinking about that's going to cause discomfort and it totally negates whatever good feeling you're about to experience. And this is true with all temptation, all sin, everything. If we're not constantly taking what's uh, messed up in our lives and replacing it with something that's bright, then we're just going to revert back to our brokenness and become even more broken in the process. Because in gaining these things, in gaining that grace and gaining that understanding of God, not only will we be reverting back to what we used to do and who we are, we will be doing it in light of knowing who Jesus Christ is. So not only do we have the pain that comes from uh, sin itself, but on top of that, we know who that sin was directed at. We know where that sin was placed. We see Jesus dying on the cross, and basically we laugh in his face because we just uh, threw that all away. And I'm not saying that God's grace doesn't extend to that, that if you make a mistake that Jesus doesn't forgive you. But what I'm saying is that that uh, pain increases because if you just take away what's bad, when, when the bad does come back, it comes back even harder. It comes back even stronger, and it brings with it things that weren't there before, things that you wouldn't have thought of before. In uh, Galatians, it talks about what we're supposed to fill this with. And it's um, the fruit of the Spirit, which everybody is pretty familiar with, I think. It's uh, love, joy, peace, 
forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It says, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So basically what this is saying is we need to produce fruit, the fruits of the Spirit. We have crucified the flesh, those passions and desires, but we have to add to that. So this is, again, taking what Jesus said in his parable and applying it to our lives in this way, that when we are um, empty, when we have crucified the flesh, when we've gotten rid of those uh, unholy desires, we have to replace them with good ones, with good desires, with things that uh, we should be modeling, with the things that Christ would have us to have in our lives. In Matthew, it talks about um, the, uh, the Pharisees. He also addresses them here and says, "By your fruit, you will, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit." Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like the whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And what Jesus is saying is that that same concept that if their whole goal is to just look like righteous by taking away the bad stuff. Okay. Don't, don't be bad when people can see you. Don't do this. Don't do that. But on the inside, they're being torn apart on the inside. They are sinning on the inside. They are, uh, producing bad fruit on the inside. They're taking, the uh, things and they're engaging in those in their minds instead of in their hands or their outsides and God doesn't judge us by our outsides like our neighbors do God doesn't judge us just by what God sees the painted up preacher who makes himself perfect and sees what's on the inside or the person who is destitute, the person that's homeless, the person that looks like they've suffered a great deal, and he sees the saint inside of there. When we look at other people, we look at their outsides, but what is on the inside is what they truly are, where they truly come from, what their hearts truly represent. And in this way, um, in Ephesians, it talks about in the uh, the armor of God. It says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on full armor of God, that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not with against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What this is, uh, what sticks out in this to me is that the helmet, it's the helmet of salvation. Which shows me that um, sometimes Satan can attack our minds to make us think that salvation is something other than what it is. He can try to trick us into reading these words about the Pharisees, yet missing the point that that's what we're doing. He can make us think that we're not saved unless we do this, unless we look this way. Unless people like us. Unless, unless, unless. And when you start thinking about the unless, you start thinking less of yourself and less of your salvation and less of God in general. And in doing so, you've left your mind an open place for attack. And this isn't a good place to be because we know the mind controls the body. Our brain is the seat of knowledge. If we're not, if we're just taking out the bad stuff and not replacing it with good stuff, if we're, uh, okay, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. But if you're not replacing it with something that's going to build that, uh, armor in your mind that's just going to come back one of the things that uh used to bother me early on um i listen to uh heavy metal music i love it i like the the everything about it but not all of it is wholesome not all of it is pleasing and some of it is satanic so in order to just not do those things, just to not, uh, you know, listen to that music is kind of doing a disservice to my mind. Whereas if I can find music that replaces that with good, encouraging messages, instead of just negative uh it gives more context, uh, context, um, a Christian context, then I can replace the negative things with the good things. I can take the thoughts that I would have had listening to that music and direct them heavenward instead of towards uh, emptiness or 
Dayton. And I think this is extremely important. When I first got sober, um, I never realized how much music plays um, in my life, how uh, relevant it was to everything that I did. And when I got sober, a really wise person told me, he said, listen, he's like, you don't realize the tie that your brain has with those events and with the music that you listen to. So he told me to listen to Christian music for 30 days, and I was extremely reluctant. I'm not uh, believe in God at that time, really, and I wasn't willing to just accept Jesus. But there was a time, it was a little while after that, that I did it. And what I started to notice is that I would just, it would come into my head. I would start singing some of the songs. They would be at the tip of my tongue. When I came through the day, I would think back on some of the songs that I had heard. Or um, maybe I heard a message or something on there that really resonated with me. It's something that I was able to um, later recall. And that made a huge impact on my heart and my mind because instead of just getting rid of the bad stuff, instead of just getting rid of the bad virus or whatever, I was filling my head with something that was useful, that was um, blessing me, instead of just getting rid of stuff that was cursing me. And I was grateful to, to see that. Um, I don't know if I really noticed it right away, I definitely noticed it later on in my life, and even to this day, there's sometimes where I'll think of a song from back then that I listened to, and it'll pop into my head, and I'm more conscious of the lyrics, I'm more conscious of the things that they're saying, and I'm more conscious of the fact that it's wrong, whereas before I probably just sang whatever came to, came out and didn't really care, now I have more... Uh, understanding of what comes into my mind and I'm able to take those thoughts and give them to, to Jesus so as to uh, take your thoughts captive and, and give them to God and that's something that's easier to do when you can see those thoughts coming in um, one one thing about me that um, you know i I don't talk about it much. I have uh, Asperger's syndrome and I have uh, ADHD. And these are things that could be viewed as uh, negative or um, they could be viewed as weaknesses. But God uses those things not just for, uh, He uses those things for His glory. And one of the things that does is when I have these thoughts that race through my head, I'm able to focus on them. I'm able to, um, you know, if I, I read something or uh, listen to a song because music is uh, 
a big part of my life. It's something that I do every single day is listen to music, I read, and those are probably the two things that take up a good majority of my time. So if I read something or I hear something that is uh, negative, I can address it then and there. I don't have to, um, if it comes back and forth through my mind, I know it's something that's a problem that I have to give to God. Whereas before, I would get these thoughts in my head and I would just let them paralyze me and let them take the reins and let let me feel like it was ten times more than what uh, what it would have been had it just came and left. And what I've, I've realized is that if I take the time to read better things, if I read commentaries, I read the Bible especially, and I read literature that's going to uh, expand my mind rather than um, fill it with whatever is on the page, or the same thing with music. If I listen to something that is uplifting, encouraging, something that's uh, Christ-centered, something that's going to allow me to take whatever it is that I'm feeling and put it into a song, and I can think of that whenever I feel that certain emotion or that certain feeling or remember that certain instance when I heard it, that is what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us to not just let our mind be empty, which is something that a lot of uh, Western religions would have you do. A lot of uh, like meditation type stuff, they tell you to empty your mind of all things, just to focus on your breathing. But when I do that, when I empty it out, what's going to come back in? When I empty out my mind, what do I want to enter back into it? When I clear out all the negative things, what happens when I stand back up? What happens when I let my brain go again? What's going to come in there? The same thing that I put into it. And that could either be the same old same or truth, the goodness of God, God's promises, God's word. I can look at every situation as if it's terrible, or I can look at every situation as if it's going to teach me something. That way, if I look at something that's negative, something that's painful, something that is, uh, brings me uh, pain, the end of the day, I know that it's uh, something that's going to teach me a lesson, or it's going to bring me to a place where I can grow as a human being, grow closer to God, and bring my life back into line with what his will is. And today, I can... Uh, I've still emptied out all those negative things, but I replaced them with something good, something wholesome.
Not to say that a thought doesn't pop into my head every now and then. But when it does, I can recognize it for what it is. I can pray about it, get to God, and replace it with a thought that is pleasing to Him. And if there's anybody that's struggling with this, um, the first thing that I would want to say is it's perfectly normal, at least for me. So at least there's one other person that's experienced that. Um, but if, you know, if you feel like you've been doing all the right things, you got rid of this, you got rid of that, but you're still struggling, try replacing those things. Try taking those things and making them, uh, not just getting rid of them, but replacing them with godly things. If you stop playing video games because it was getting in your way of your relationship with God, don't just stare at the wall. Instead, read the Bible. If, you know, like with the dieting, if I just take out all of the bad stuff and I don't replace it with good stuff, then, yeah, I may lose weight. But there's going to come a time where I get hungry and I'm not going to be thinking about eating healthy. I'm going to think about eating the garbage that I stopped eating and chances are I'm going to gain back more weight. A lot of people that have uh, gastric bypass surgery, if they don't have a routine in place and they just lose a bunch of weight and they start to feel good, there's going to come a time where that uh, is going to kind of wear down. That pink cloud is going to go away, and at the end of the day, you're left with some of the same stuff. So if you're not dealing not just with the mental aspect of it, but the physical, if you don't have a diet in place, if you don't have things that are uh, – if you don't have a routine of eating healthier things, if you don't have a routine of uh, – fixing your mind so that you're not thinking about the negative things that used to make you overeat or do anything like drink or use drugs, then you're just going to go back to that. And there's a lot of people like if they have gastric bypass, they end up gaining not only the weight back that they lost, but then even more weight. And the same thing with alcoholics or drug addicts, they go back out to their addiction and they end up twice as bad if not 10 times as bad as when they first went when they first got sober so it's about more than just taking things away it's about adding to the emptiness what was really supposed to be there all along there's a lot of things in my life that i did because i was searching for god that didn't fit the bill that didn't uh, meet the criteria. But if I just left that hole empty, I'd still be left with all those yearnings. I'd still be left with all that anxiety. I'd still be left with all that fear, but I wouldn't have what I was really searching for, which is God. And I think that some people find themselves in that situation as well. They know that what they're doing is wrong, but they don't know what is right. And Jesus in uh, his ministry was showing what it is that's missing. What is missing from 
what the Pharisees are saying. Yes, those things are bad. They're against the law of Moses. They're things that God himself said were wrong. And then the Pharisees took those words and tried to encompass everything else that could possibly go wrong. If maybe they misinterpreted it, they could use it as a blanket thing and they can cover all their bases. So they weren't uh, wrong in the fact that there's certain things that God does not like, that certain things that are sin. But what they were wrong about is the fact that you can't just leave. You can't just stop doing those things without replacing it with a love for God and a love for your neighbors. You can't just take out the negative and go about your day. You have to fill it with the goodness of God. You have to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You have to use the... God's word to get inside of you to change you. And most of the time, the few things that you try to shave off on your own, the few things that you stop doing on your own are just the tip of the iceberg. They're just what you can see. The rest of the stuff comes after you start replacing that. Once you have a guideline to live by, once you start reading the Bible and you understand what God is trying to tell us, you see that there's a lot more that meets the eye that you didn't notice before. There's more stuff that has to get removed. But as you keep adding, like Peter said, to your faith, you gain more things to put in those places. You gain more tools to replace the negative things, to replace the bad. So if you are in a place where your mind or your house inside of your head is haunted, you get to choose which spirit resides there. We all have something inside of us. We can either allow that spirit to be the impure spirit and his wicked friends, or we can replace that with the Holy Spirit. And allow him to guide our hearts, to guide our minds, to guide our thoughts, to speak for us on uh, our behalf, to reach out to God through our yearnings of our hearts. And if there's anybody out there that is um, struggling with this, just replace that. Replace things that you're taking away. If you feel like it's too hard to uh, let go, if you feel like it's too hard to um, move on, if you know that you're getting rid of the bad stuff, but it still hurts, start replacing it with the good stuff. I want to pray. For everybody. Oh, Heavenly Father, anybody that can hear me, if they're dealing with pain, if they're dealing with anything that is taking up their mind, if they've maybe cleaned up their act, but still feel like they're dry, still feel like they're, um, they still feel all the same 
negative emotions. They feel the temptation and the draw to go back to what it was that they had taken part in before. Help them to be taken on the right path. Help them to replace those negative things with good things. Help them to see every situation as a chance to learn and grow instead of a chance to turn back and to fill their lives with misery. I thank you, God, for everything that you do for us, everything that you have, um, that you put in our lives. I thank you for everything that you're allowing us to, to see, allowing us to hear, and allowing us to fill our minds with that's pleasing to you. Thank you for everything, and we love you and praise you. It's in your only son's name, Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.